Today's Life After the Crown podcast is brought to you by Pageantology. Did you know that Pageantology is the only place where you can coach for your next pageant with not one, but two Miss USAs? Pageantology coaches Susie Castillo and Shandy Finnessy not only privately coached the last two back-to-back Miss USAs, Sarah Rose Summers and Chesley Christ, but they also had Sarah and Chesley attend their online interview intensive workshops, which helped them to gain the additional knowledge and confidence that they needed to win their state pageants and their Miss USA titles. You too can coach with Pageantology privately or attend one of their upcoming online interview intensive workshops going on throughout the year. For more information, check out pageantology.com. Hey, everyone. It's Miss USA 2004, Shandy Fennessy, and you're listening to Life After the Crown with Tim Tialdo. Hey, everybody. My name is Tim Tialdo, and welcome to Season 2 of the Life After the Crown podcast. Now, if you haven't had a chance to listen to any of the previous episodes, I do encourage you to go back and listen because there are many valuable interviews that you will definitely gain some wisdom from. Now, for those of you who are just tuning in for the first time, welcome and thanks for checking us out. Each episode of Life After the Crown, I interview former pageant contestants, title holders, and women of influence who share advice and stories on how to help you succeed in the world of pageants, but more importantly, how you can flourish in the professional world once your pageant journey comes to an end. As always, I appreciate you taking the time to download this podcast. I do value your time, and I'm glad you're here listening. So let's get started. My guest today really needs no introduction. She is a previous podcast guest and was Miss USA 2004. She currently owns and runs Pageantology, a pageant coaching business with her friend and business partner, former Miss USA Susie Castillo. She and I have been friends for nearly 20 years. And when it comes to the topic of discussion for this episode, I couldn't think of anyone better that I wanted to have on because of her firsthand experience, knowledge, And let's just be honest, she certainly isn't afraid to tell it like it is. Shandy Finnessy, thanks for coming on. Great to have you. (laughs) So you're saying I'm unedited. Hey, 20 (laughs) years, that's scary. Uh, Well, you know, I think I want to say we met in 2001. So, you know, it's not quite 20 years, but yeah, I mean, we're we're barking on it. So that's insane. Our relationship is the age of a college student. (laughs) I actually, I think I still have a picture from about, you know, around the time we met. I, I might have to post that if you're okay with that. That's hilarious. Yeah, go ahead. That's I think it. I had hair and everything. Bus, so, yeah, it, it could be scary. Oh, right? for right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. Well, thank so, you for having me on. Yeah, no, it's my pleasure. And I'm, I'm certainly excited to have you on. Um, the topic surrounding today's episode, if you, you know, anybody listening kind of looked at the title of it here, um, we're going to use Shandy's pageant history and experience to kind of surround it and tell the story between you know, then and now, um, and the fact that are pageants still relevant? Um, And if they are, where are they headed? Now, I don't expect, you know, Shandy or I to solve the pageant world's problems on this podcast, but we both do have a very unique experience and platform inside the world um, that I have no doubt should drum up uh, some, some great discussion. And, you know, by the way, relevance, you know, for those of you who are wondering if you are, is just, is it still cool? Do people still pay attention to it? And so that's really what we're going to talk about. So, uh, Shandy, let's set the scene here, um, and we're going to base it on your particular pageant history. Now, you competed in both the America and the USA system in the early 2000s. Um, Of course, you won the state title in Missouri for America. You uh, went on to compete at America. Then you went over to the USA system. You win Missouri. You go on to win the USA crown in front of, uh, you know, one of the biggest audiences ever for Miss USA, 13 million people. 
and then you nearly pull off the trifecta, uh, your runner-up to Jennifer Hawkins of Australia uh, at Miss Universe. As you are still intimately involved in pageantry today as a coach for pageantology, what is so much different about today's culture from when you competed? Wow. Well, <laughs> um, <laughs> take a deep breath. You know, there's a lot that's the same, um, but a lot has changed within the pageant system itself. I feel like the outside view of, a, of what a pageant is and what a beauty queen is is pretty similar. But I think the pageants itself, I mean, you can see Miss America now, 2.0, like no swimsuits. And um, they've, they've just changed their image so drastically, especially to where they began in 1921 as a bathing beauty contest in Atlantic City. And then Miss USA, I feel like, is trying to figure out who they are under IMG um, now that they have the ownership. And... I feel like they are really looking for a girl with a brand. They're looking for a girl who uh, we know a lot about rather than she's just pretty and she could be a model. Now, ever since, I mean, you look at Deshauna and we all knew that she was a lieutenant in the army. And then we had Chiara or Kiara, who we all know was with the STEM program and was, you know, into science. And um, Sarah Rose Summers was a child advocate in hospitals, and now Chesley is a lawyer. So we know so much more about them. So it's it's very much into branding, and then also like body types now. Like they're trying to show like beauty comes in all sizes, so like anyone can compete. They're trying to make it something different than what it started as, and and I don't know, because as you can see, like, it's having an effect, like, whether or not it's related to that, ratings are going down, so it's, it hasn't lost its relevancy. I mean, that's a big question that we have to ask, and should you change something if it's not broken? If, if things are working out just fine, like, why should we alter it? Well, I mean, the fact that we're even talking about is it relevant, you know, brings up the big question is what what is putting the relevance of it in jeopardy in the first place. I mean, even if it, it it is still relevant, obviously, but, you know, there are certainly the narratives out there that, you know, pageantry might be dying a little bit. Is it, you know, I guess from your opinion, is it, you know, modern political culture, political correctness, the Me Too movement, extreme feminism, or is Mm -hmm. it just media narrative and bad publicity? No, I think it's kind of going with the times um, of being super PC and that beauty doesn't just come in one shape and size. The sad thing is that, I feel like in the past, it was never that beauty is one shape and size. It was that beauty is health and vitality and discipline and um, really just taking advantage of the opportunity of being in a pageant. I hear so many girls who are like, oh my God, if I'm going to be in a bikini at four inch heels in front of a live audience, I need to really start looking at what I'm eating. I need to start getting physically healthy at the gym. And in return, that creates awesome heart health. That prevents diabetes and a plethora of other things. So um, you know, I, I just, I, I, I don't know, but it, it, at the end of the day, it makes me fearful of where is the future? Is there a future? You know, I don't you- want my grand, my kids, I have two little boys now that are three and one. I don't want them to get older and tell someone, oh, my mom is Miss USA. And their friends go, what's that? <laughs> you know, <laughs> I want it to still be relevant. I don't you want it to still be a be... cool mom. Right. I mean, come on. I worked hard for that title. So when you coach people, And I'm sure you hear the fears in their voices of, you know, gosh, I don't have a story or I think it's this or I'm kind of wondering, am I going to be what they're looking for? 
I'm sure it's changed the way that you have to coach people now. Yes. Yeah, it's actually um, well. We, so we do online workshops where we talk heavily about branding, and uh, we give a thousand different examples of girls that we've worked with. Maybe not a thousand, but easily a hundred. And inevitably, when we have private sessions after a workshop, we get I would say like seventy percent of girls that say I don't think I have a brand. Like my brand is pretty basic. I don't, and, and it takes literally about 10 seconds of talking with someone and being like, yes, you do. And here's your brand. Everyone has a story. Um, a lot of times you don't recognize your own story because it's like when you're inside the house, you don't see the roof kind of a thing. But everyone has a story. And sometimes it takes someone else to recognize that in you. But, you know, and I, and I do think that's important to have a story. But I just wonder, is it turning into like a big televised job interview? You know, I still wanted to have that glamour aspect. Oh, I think Miss um, America definitely back, is. Oh, 100% Miss America is. Yeah, no. Gretchen, the Gretch <laughs> that stole swimsuits. <laughs> yeah, I've got a lot to say about her. She, you, you she is nice single-handedly. Yeah, we do have a very pleasant history together. But she single-handedly is like holding Miss America underwater and not letting them have any oxygen. But, you know, like back when I competed, uh, although you didn't really get my brand on stage, I still had something that I was passionate about, and I still had something that I worked with during my year. It was because of my involvement with people with mental retardation and Down syndrome that the Miss Universe organization is now partnered with Best Buddies because of that was my passion. I'd written a children's book for that, and I spoke with my judges about it. So that brand still existed. It just didn't have to be talked about every time I walked out on stage. And so I think the fact that they're pushing it so hard, you know, they have their reasons for doing it, but I just don't know because, I mean, you look back to when, when I had the title. So I was so busy and so like from morning till night, if I didn't have a physical appearance, that was something super glamorous. Um, usually, and I'll get to what some of those look like in a minute. I was going to a lot of the different cancer organizations and volunteering, whether that meant making phone calls, asking for donations on things or stuffing envelopes and, and sending out newsletters. I was physically working constantly. I was on planes left and right. I was on as in as many states as three in one day. And I remember actually in one of the, it was the, the last state that I landed at that day. And it was like 10 o'clock at night. And like, I had been going all morning and um, I get off the plane. And I'm in some small town. I remember where I am and I'm looking around, looking around and I don't see anyone there to pick me up. And finally this, this man and woman that were kind of eyeballing me, they walked up and they're like, um, excuse me, are you Miss USA? And I was like, Oh, hi. Yes. I'm Sandy. And they were like, where's your crown? Where's, where's like your sash? And I was like, Oh, I don't travel in a crown. And they were like kind of disappointed. And I'm like, well, look here, people. I have been on planes all day today. I have done all these appearances. And they were kind of, you know, like, oh, we expected like you to come off in a Stephen Yurick beaded gown and your four-inch heels. And so, um, but the point of all that is I was so busy because I was going, events in places were hiring me, which they weren't paying me. They were paying this universe organization to show up at events and to meet and greet people, sign autographs, give a little speech, whatever it may be. And now, you know, we've had three girls, pageantology girls who have become Miss USA. Um, it was Sarah Rose Summers, it was Olivia Jordan, Sarah Rose Summers, and Chesley. And those three ladies pretty much all have had a lot of downtime 
where they're able to take a week vacation and go see family and they're able to spend time with their boyfriends and it shocks us of why do you have all this downtime? And so I don't think it's because MUO isn't pushing them. Maybe it is, but I feel like maybe they don't seem as relevant to the world where they're not being hired on all of these events and going on all of these things. Now, not saying that maybe times have changed, but I also was from the era of Trump. So love him or hate him, he was great at pageantry because this is a man who loves beauty and beautiful things. And I mean, I've been in his apartment and he has everything is coated in gold. I don't know if they sell like gold paint at Home Depot. (laughs) I think he probably had it it melted down and physically like put on his wall. Probably. It was like you were being inside. I've never been to the Taj Mahal, but I imagine that's what it was like. It was just shiny. Everything was shiny and made out of gold. And so this man, and he's super showy, and he made sure that he put on this this performance and this pageant that, you know, we had Fadil take our pictures, and we had these amazing glamour shots, and everything was super glamorized. And so people and corporations and businesses wanted to hire us for things. And, and I mean, some of the, the fancy like celebrity status stuff I got to do, I was able, I attended P. Diddy's white birthday party which, you know, I was brushing the shoulders of like every big name celebrity you can imagine. I was in total awe. And then I was in Thailand and got to hang out with the princess of Thailand and had to physically crawl on my knees up to her holding a gift. (laughs) That's apparently how you approach the princess of Thailand. Um, But all these amazing things that I don't see the current Miss USA is doing. And IMG has access, but they're not doing it. So I don't know. I just feel like... um, I feel like something has changed, something has shifted. And I don't know if it's internally of them looking for something different and forcing this brand on people and not just going for the wow factor. Yeah, I guess I just don't know. But I don't want it to go away. Well, and and I think it is. And I think you actually just gave a great example where you juxtaposed one versus the other. So there's Trump and there's IMG. Both have access to celebrity status, if you will, you know, just the the world Mm -hmm. of celebrity. Trump used it to benefit you. I mean, he took Mm -hmm. you literally at at times on his arm to events, did he not? Yeah. Oh, we went to many, many events. And IMG has a roster a mile long of A-list celebrities that they could certainly pair Chesley up with at this point and say, hey, why don't you go hang with T-Pain or whatever and Mm -hmm. just do things and be seen. And, you know, usually those, as it happened for you, would photos would end up on the cover of page six in New York and, you know, the big magazines that everybody pays attention to. And it made you kind of, you know, Kardashian like celebrity status where you're, you're hanging with the big wigs. And as a result, by association, you're a star. You're absolutely right. And, you know, maybe it's that IMG since they are actually dealing with like legit celebrities every day. Maybe they don't view a beauty queen, quote unquote, beauty queen as a celebrity. So all they're looking for is the ratings. But see, I think, I think, so I'm not playing with Donald Trump, but I do have to say that he was smart in the sense that he didn't just see, I'm going to promote this girl. He saw that by promoting this girl, I'm promoting my pageant in the future. Because now that everyone's seeing her, like you said, on page six or in these gossip magazines and things like that, like, oh, look who hit up this party and look who, you know, is on the arm of this person. And it then made the next year more people wanted to tune in. And so many of our clients that I work with, which actually kind of dates me too, makes me feel really old, but they're like, I was a little girl and I saw your pageant for the first time and I watched you win. And it was because of you that I then got into pageantry. 
And so that inspired them. And, you know, although I do have to say on the uh, positive for where it is now, there's a lot of people who are like, you know, we're, we're training a lot of women who are doctors and lawyers and veterinarians. And they're like, I never thought I wanted to be in a pageant, but I'm seeing who currently just won and I can do that. So there is a positive that way that I'm seeing, but I do still think they're relevant. So I think, I think maybe to the world, they're not relevant because you don't really see much of Miss USA now or hear much of Miss USA, Miss Teen USA, you don't hear anything about. In Miss Universe, you don't hear much of it in the United States, outside of the country you do. And so maybe to the world, it's not relevant, but to the girls who are competing, it's incredibly relevant because not only like if you win, you are somehow making a difference or at the very least, like I did, you're inspiring younger girls to follow in your footsteps or you're inspiring them to like um, Chiara, Cara, Cara. I always say her name wrong. I, I, I've, I've yet to have her on. I want to ask her because I don't know how to pronounce it either. I know. I, I just call her Cara, but I don't know. Um, but she's inspiring women to get in, or kids of all boys and girls to get into STEM programs. And so they are still inspiring people. But more than that, I think it is still relevant. Because you look at someone like Tara Connor, who was in 2006, I believe, yeah, and right. she says openly, like, I, I would not be here today. I, pageants saved my life. Um, it was because of being in pageants that her addiction to drugs and alcohol was exposed, led her to rehab, and it physically saved her life. Um, and then on the smaller side, I hear of girls constantly that are bullied in school and um, treated in a way that they just don't have a self-esteem or they feel really low about themselves and pageants give them an opportunity where they're around similar girls. They share a similar dream and it gives them something to look forward to. So I think they are incredibly still relevant to the girls who are competing. I just want them now to be relevant to the world again, to get that celebrity status, to get that glamour role again. But how do we do that? What you just pointed out, everything comes down to one thing that I think Trump did really well and IMG is not doing very well, and that is marketing. I think that's really all it comes down to is you mentioned Miss USA was very visible. Mm -hmm. You know, when you were Miss USA, Mm -hmm. you know, people literally found you on the street and were like, wait a minute, you're Miss USA. Now, I don't know if Chesley gets that. I mean, I haven't talked to her about it, but I kind of doubt it. I mean, you don't see her on the mm-hmm. front pages of magazines that are outside the pageant world. You don't see her on the cover of page six or, you know, doing huge interviews or hanging out with celebrities. So in that realm, I think mm-hmm. that uh, for a lot of girls was the allure of your title is Shandy was a star. Yeah. You were a superstar. 13 yeah. million viewers in NBC, you know, Trump's hanging out with her and she's out with all these celebrities and she's just at a lot of events that are a big deal. And it's like, why wouldn't you want to dream about being that? Of course you would. Mm-hmm. Well, and I think now the difference is that most people don't even see the face of who Miss USA is unless they watch the pageant. Yeah, it's one and time a year. The ratings are going down because they're now, whether it helps them or not, I don't know, but I think having a pageant on a Thursday, you know, people are putting their kids to bed and getting up for school the next morning or getting ready for work or whatever it may be. And you have a chance to like tune into the pageant. What mostly happens now is people might TiVo it, but then they see who won. They're like, do I really need to watch it? Probably not. And so they're just not really getting it. And I said TiVo. People make fun of me for that. Sorry, DVR. <laughs> you still have one <laughs> of those, myself huh? on that. No, I don't, but I call it TiVo. And TiVoing to me just means recording a show. <laughs> um, <laughs> so you're right, though. People don't, re- don't, they don't have that face recognition with who Miss USA is. And we saw it first happen with Miss Teen USA when they went off the air and now people just don't care as much of who Miss Teen USA is. And 
you know, we don't really see her doing a lot of events anymore. And when I was Miss USA, like even um, one of the big gossip magazines, I don't remember which one, came to our apartment and did a whole day of photo shoots of myself, Miss Universe, Miss Teen USA, where we were like making eggs in the morning, but dressed in evening gowns. And then we were outside playing Twister in like super skimpy clothes because that's what we supposedly do for hobbies. And then we had a cupcake fight on one girl's bed, <laughs> like just silly stuff. But it was fun. It was super girly. And, you know, we got so much attention because of that photo shoot. So I don't know. Like, I just, I wish that, in, in, and I think IMG, like, I, I kind of do think that they are at fault. But at the end of the day, I think a big agency like that, their number one goal is putting on a good show and getting good ratings. Therefore, they can get good sponsors next year and, and commercials and things like that. I don't think their concern so much is now let's make this girl a star. I mean, that's just what it is. Mm-hmm. Uh, but they're not doing themselves any favors to make that money by the way they're handling it. So that's where I'm kind of confused by it. But I, I agree with you. Totally agree with you. Totally agree. But I think that they're better off putting their money and their focus into people who are already pulling in millions of dollars with their clientele mm-hmm. as opposed to trying to make this girl something bigger to pull in a little bit more money the next year. Which, if that's um, the I case, think- I, I totally get it. If that, but mm-hmm. that, if that's the case, I would say to IMG, if I could talk to him today, sell it, sell it to somebody who cares 100%. about pageantry. I mean, just give it to somebody God, who wants to make you. this something good again. I totally agree with you because back in my day when I competed, like they had an amazing producer, Phil Gurren, produced the pageant, and he did a beautiful job. He it was very simple. There wasn't like a lot of these like flash, boom, bang, but it was beautiful and it focused on the girl. And, you know, people tuned in and were like, oh, I want to see this parade of beautiful girls. There wasn't a good 20 minute section of somebody singing some song that, you know, we could care less about. Like it was legit about the girls. And I don't know. I just I'm like, yes, sell it to somebody who's so passionate about pageants or beautiful people or whatever it might be. Someone like a Donald Trump and and then bring in an amazing producer who can produce an amazing show and. You know, and in terms of Miss America, I just kick Gretchen out and bring back the swimsuits and, you know, and try to make their talent more relevant. So you're not hearing like somewhere over the rainbow. Who cares about that? Um, which I have to say quickly. And I just mentioned this the other day because I attended a, an America system pageant. Uh-oh. Nobody cares about talent in Miss America from the view, viewer standpoint, because if I'm watching Miss America for talent, that's pretty sad because we have America's Got Talent. We have American Idol. We have all the voice all of these amazing talented shows where these people are legit talented, not I just learned to play the harp for this piece, for this pageant. And so nobody's going to tune in for that, you know, unless it's some amazing creative talent. So they just need to figure that out (laughs) on their own. That or just keep it strictly for the top five. That was always my viewpoint on it. I understand that, you know, the girls like to perform in front of people and that's cool, but it should be set for just a few people. So the audience isn't like, how many of these do we have to sit through? Because I think that's... A few people, and they should also make it more relevant. I don't recall offhand right now. I'm drawing a blank, but the girl who played the solo cups? Uh, you know Kira, who I mean? Kira. Oh, another Kira. <laughs> yes, you're right, though. You're right. That is her name. So uh, she got a lot of flack for a while. Oh, like, tons. oh, my gosh, she played plastic. Oh, I loved it because I was like, this is modern. This is cool. Like, I want something that's, you know, super cool and different and unique and not like... Like if I hear at a local pageant, orange blossom sky, orange colored sky one more time, and I can totally like look like Tara's, toddlers and tiaras and perform it, by the way, which I will not do for you right now. Um, but, you know, it's just, it's so dated and it's like, don't, and, and we work with clients all the time in the America system 
and they want to do these big show tune Broadway pieces. And it's like, that's not what people are listening to. Like do a Michael Buble song or something that's a little bit more trendy. So I don't know. They've got, they're in a world of trouble, but in terms of USA, it's very fixable. I think getting back to its roots. I don't think it needs, you know, it doesn't necessarily need somebody of Trump's wealth. I mean, I don't, I don't know the finances of Miss Universe, but I, I have a feeling it's not worth that much. I mean, maybe a couple million bucks might get it for you. I don't know. I don't think it takes a Donald Trump to buy it anymore. I think maybe back in the day yeah. it did, but now, I mean, I don't, I don't think it would take much. You know, somebody with some, you know, decently deep pockets could probably do it. So, if you're listening, go for it. But well, I, I agree with you, but I do have to say, I think IMG has like a kung fu grip on it. I'm sure they do. I don't think they're going to let go. But even if someone paid them a couple million, I don't think it's worth it to them. There's one more topic on the. So I, I, I think there's really two perspectives we're looking at it from here: what the outside world thinks of the pageant world, and then what the pageant world thinks of the pageant world. Um, and there's one more topic on kind of the what the outside world thinks of the pageant world. Um, I think modern pageantry is dominated by um, what I'll call three hot button marketing terms. You know, they're kind of right out of that liberal political playbook. And today it seems like everybody mm-hmm. in pageants can't get an answer out about anything without using one of these three terms because they're afraid they either won't be accepted. Who knows? But those three words are, and you know them well, empowerment, diversity, and inclusion. I, I don't think I hear an answer on mm. any stage anymore without one of those words in it. And it's like they've almost really become muted point. because they're they're overused. I mean, it's like you almost roll your eyes because you're like, you're just trying to fit in with the words instead of actually using them for what they're for. And I mm-hmm. feel like they're just pushing that so hard that it's just watered down the, the political nature of pageants. Well, I think that goes all across the board, though. I think that just where we are as a nation, we are so PC right now. And pushing empowerment on all levels and pushing diversity on all levels and pushing inclusion on all levels. I actually made a joke. uh, I think it was yesterday on Facebook. Um, A friend of mine who runs a local pageant in St. Louis was like, oh, we're giving out another crown. My girls sign up. And I was like, hey, can I sign up? And she was like, oh, my God, yes. And I was like, okay, so I know I'm outside the age requirements. However, I identify with a 21-year-old. So that technically goes for a lot now. <laughs> That's but it's great. It's true That's that we've great. gotten to this place now that it's like if I identify with being a young girl, you could probably then I pull it absolutely off. Absolutely have that right. Yeah. And so we've gotten into this place of like we just love like nobody can have an opinion on anything. We just have to be so open and accepting on everything. And I I personally believe the pendulum has swung too far and at some point it'll neutralize because I'm afraid if it keeps swinging what's going to happen, but yes, it's it's just it's interesting. It's very interesting and I don't know like on some ways it's really awesome to look at and other ways it's just kind of like really people because on the awesome side a couple of years ago in California, there was a girl who competed for California USA who was legit, like legally blind. She came out on stage with a walking stick and it was like, wow, like I can't imagine how she feels to be in that position. Um, it was just really amazing um, to witness it. And then I don't know what state, I feel like it was one of the Southern states this last year, a girl competed in a wheelchair. Have you, from, have you uh, heard of that? It was my state. It was North Carolina. I, I know. Her okay. Well. So I thought that was pretty cool that like, here's this girl who's like, and, and I remember years ago, I judged in California and this was back when they had like 300 girls competing for Miss and a girl came into the interview room and physically she was not at all back then of what we would look for. She was about like four foot five. She was itty bitty. 
very overweight. Um, she had all of the like base part of her head shaved and she had those big things in that stretch her earlobes out. I don't know what they're called. They look terrible and apparently they smell really funny too. <laughs> and then she had a nose ring, not like the cute little stud in the side, but I'm talking like a big gold ring, like in her septum, like right mm-hmm. between her, like a bowl. Mm-hmm. And so physically not, you know, what you'd imagine, but she was like, look, and I don't remember, I'm going to paraphrase what she said, but something like, I know that I'm not the type to compete here, but I used to be so judgmental of these girls. And I wanted to go step outside my box and try this. And these girls are amazing. And the interview, it was only two minutes that year, or it was a minute and a half for every girl, super short. She was so engaging. And I was so um, just in awe over her of like, wow, like, you know, that you're not going to win, that you're not necessarily the type. But how awesome that you're not coming into it like, no, I deserve as much of a chance as of everybody. Like she came into it just from this really authentic place. And and I was so proud of her for putting herself in a place where maybe she is like one of these things doesn't belong here. Um, I was really proud of her for that. That's an old Sesame Street reference back in the day. Um, so, you know, and in that sense, it's really cool to, to now make it okay for people who don't necessarily fit the mold to go for it and try for it. But yeah, I do feel like it's, it's so much of like, we are here to empower, empower. And I think it was last year at Miss USA, I think it was, they just kept talking about like sisterhood, sisterhood. And it's like, that's a no brainer. Like there is an amazing sisterhood that exists in this pageant, but we don't need to keep, sometimes it's like the man who's like, I have so much money. I have so much money. You say it because you don't, <laughs> you know, and it's like, so I, I was like, you don't have to keep telling us about sisterhood because that exists and that's legit and we can see it, you know, and, and I, I just don't know. Yeah, I, I agree with you that sometimes pushing things too far, empowerment, diversity, inclusion, and shoving it down people's throats, that it does become a little watered then. Well, and you mentioned the, the pendulum swing. I got to believe there's a correction coming and I, I truly think it's going to probably focus around this next election cycle, probably late next year. I think the, the pot mm. is boiling on both sides so far that it's it's eventually going to spill over and we're going to we're going to see a correction happen. Who knows? But yeah, I, you know, you, you, you put it in good terms there. And I think it is important that a lot of people are able to compete. And, and even if they don't feel like they can win, that they're welcome. And I don't think that's ever been an issue. Um, it's just now mm-hmm. that uh, and I had a podcast last week with Betty Cantrell, uh, or Betty Maxwell now. And she had mentioned, and I thought I thought this was a really good analogy. She said, they are trying to make Miss America easier. She said, if you went to the Olympics, would you make the Olympic trials easier for people so more people could compete? No, you want the best in the world. So you got to do the work. You still well, got to be really good. that's a good, good point. But I was like, that's, that's a fantastic a analogy. And I think she's that right. Really I think is. they are. They're just, they just want everybody to come in so the numbers grow. And what's happening? Yeah. The numbers are shrinking because they're, they're trying shrinking. to please everybody. Yeah. Because you know what? I feel like when you have the elite crop, then girls are like, oh, my God, I want to be her. I want to be her. And if I compete and win, then I am her. Even if they don't physically ever look like that person or sound like that person or emulate that person anyway, it, they feel like if I at least give it a shot and they think I am. But that's such a good point because if the Olympics, then hello, like, how about we have a couch potato Olympics? And I will enter that and who can sit on the couch the best and eat chips and watch TV, you know, like lower the standards that much. But I also have to say something that I've always had a problem with that is incredibly controversial is when MUO opened it up to transgender. My problem with that is, and I agree, I love that, you know, people who are legally blind are feeling like they can compete and people in a wheelchair feel like they can compete. And I had an amputee, I think it was, well, I think I've seen tw- two different states who had amputees compete. 
So I love that. But with transgender, there is a pageant system for people who are transgender. I used to judge the Miss Continental pageant, which is it was actually drag queens though, but it was like specifically drag queens that are over six feet tall and over 200 pounds. <laughs> um, so it oh, was like, specific. yeah, it was very specific and it was an amazing show to watch, but there is pageantry for transgender people. And every transgender person that I know, I just, I feel like it's an unfair competition because oftentimes like they are so augmented through plastic surgery or whatever it may be that they are in a different category than like, an average girl from the Midwest or something that, you know, that has to physically like, I, I just feel like it's a different, you're comparing apples and oranges. And I don't know if that is fair. And now we did though have Miss Spain who was um, transgender compete. I think it was last year or the year before. Yeah, last year, Miss And I totally thought she was going to win. Um, so I was really surprised to see that she, she didn't, I don't think she played. Yeah, she didn't even place. I was surprised by that, but then they did give her like a whole, segment to herself where she got to kind of give a shout out to her um, transgender community. But I don't know. I just kind of also feel like it should just be what it used to be. And it's just like, look, it's women. Same reason of like, they don't allow people who've had babies compete. They don't allow people who have been married to compete. Like, why not change all that then? Look, the, the transgender thing is a great example. And it's, it's something that nobody wants to talk about. Nobody wants to say anything about it. I'll say it. Most people don't want that stuff shoved down their throat. Maybe it doesn't agree with their values. Maybe it's just not something that they're into, but they don't want it shoved down their throat when they turn on the telecast every year. And the last couple of years, whether it's your political beliefs or whether it's, you know, transgender is a good example. Things like that are thrown down their throat. And it's like, if you don't believe in this, you don't belong here. And it's like, well, okay, then I'm not going to compete. And I think that's what you're seeing. I think a lot of people silently behind the scenes are just saying, fine. If that's what you want to do, I'm not going to compete. And the numbers are way mm -hmm. down. I'm not saying it's all about those specific things. But, you know, the, the lead up videos, I was talking to this uh, a couple of weeks ago with Ebony Williams, those uh, the hometown videos that they do before the pageant. Um, some people, let's just be honest, they're not into the LGBT movement. And if they don't, if that doesn't agree with their values and Miss Universe is asking them to push that stuff and they're not comfortable mm -hmm. with it, that presents a real problem all across the country for yeah. a lot of girls. And it's, well, it's a challenge. And I think another big thing is it's like, OK, so let's say that you compete in your state pageant and you win. Like, that's a huge accomplishment. Mm -hmm. But now let's say you get to go to nationals and let's say that out of 51 of the cream of the crop across the world or across the United States that you win that. So what's the payoff? Cause back in my day, we actually had a really decent prize package. They don't have that anymore. And then you don't get the celebrity status that you get to then use after the fact. So Susie Castillo, who is the Miss USA before me, because of being Miss USA, she got an amazing agent. She became a VJ on MTV. So she had a very successful career in the entertainment industry. Soon after I won, I got an amazing agent, moved to Los Angeles, worked in the entertainment industry, got to be on Dancing with the Stars, had this celebrity status. So anyone watching is like, oh my gosh, the end goal is to be Miss USA and then look at this big reward I get. Mm -hmm. So since then, tell me one Miss USA who's been able to parlay this into something bigger that makes other people go, oh my God, I want that job because it's a, it's a trampoline that can launch me into this next realm. There's only Nowadays, one and I don't know if it's a job and that's Olivia Culpo. That's about the only one. Olivia Culpo. Yeah. Um, and I think, I think her fame came from just being so flipping gorgeous <laughs> that <laughs> it, she needed an outlet somewhere in Miss USA and Miss Universe was that outlet to give her that exposure. 
and she's kind of just like a big influencer. Like, unfortunately, we're not seeing her in like movies or doing entertainment or mm-hmm. she is a model, though. So I guess that uh, falls there. But if there was this level of because I wasn't like ridiculously stunning and Susie wasn't ridiculously stunning. Olivia, I think it was like a no brainer. Give her any form of outlet to, to get her face out there and she's going to like take off. Basically, that yeah, there's no payoff to be Miss USA nowadays. The the end all be all, the biggest reward is just being Miss USA nowadays. It's not I get to be Miss USA and then something amazing will happen. So that's the ultimate goal now, and I think it's it's steering girls away because you know, okay, so I get to be a beauty queen. I put my whole life on hold, and then I go back to my original life. You know, for me, it was there's something else. Like I want to win this. And I remember and that motivated me because I remember uh, there was a poster that I looked at when I was at the gym and it said, it was two people running and it said, nobody remembers who finishes second. And that's kind of actually like a sad hope like statement, but it was true. true for Miss USA. I thought if I become first runner up, that's such a wonderful accomplishment and I'll have a great party that night. But then my life goes back to the way it was. Nothing changes. I had to win or nothing. And nowadays you can win and still your life goes back to the way it was. There isn't a lot that changes. Yeah, the, the running joke these days, um, as I've talked to quite a few of them, is uh, arrive in a limo, leave in a, leave in a cab. That's so true. <laughs> I mean, you do get um, a, a massive increase in followers on social media. But that's so if about you're it. smart and you can use that to you know, bring an income by being an influencer. But yeah, that's about it. I mean, and also I think like the world of entertainment has changed so much because, you know, reality TV was much different back when I won. So, you know, nowadays I think it's everything just different. Like they're not looking for, like I you would say, they're looking for like an A-list celebrity to do the jobs that mm-hmm. in the past it was like a D-list celebrity. So I don't know. Well, th- I don't know, one but it scares that... me because I don't want Miss USA to just fade away or Miss Universe or Miss America. I don't want it to be like pageants or remember back in the day when pageants were around. Well, and I feel like some days I do. I feel like we're trying to save it. And it's, I hate the, I hate that feeling because you love being a part of it. I love being a part of it. I don't want it to go away, but sometimes it's like, I feel mm-hmm. like we're on a rescue mission. Um, but speaking of. But do you ever notice anything in life when you start to like get desperate for it and you, that's when you lose it anyway. I Um, I always tell like when we're training girls in pageantry, like if you have a sense of desperation, like I really need this title, the judges can smell that and we don't want to give the title to you because it comes across as like weird and creepy. But the girl who, even if she really wants the title, if she comes into it like very kind of aloof and like, oh my God, this is so amazing, but then has her message she still wants to bring, there's something that's engaging about her. And with pageantry, it's like, it's like the sand in your hand. The more we squeeze onto it and try to hold onto it, the more it's going to slip out of our hands. You know, why did we change anything? We didn't have to, to try to fight to hold on to it. We should have just, you know, gently let it continue on the path it's on. We didn't uh, need to change anything. I don't think there was anything wrong with it, but yeah, I agree with you. Um, there's something else I think you can speak to just because of your unique experience. You participated in both America and USA, uh, and, mm-hmm. you know, you were a state winner in both. Um, during my podcast last week, uh, Betty um, specifically told me, I said, what would you do differently if you competed today? She said, I would compete in Miss USA. I wouldn't compete in Miss America. And I think, you know, that blew wow. a lot of people up. They were like, wow, she actually said it. And I got tons of messages privately on Instagram from girls that would say basically this, I want to do the same thing, but my America state director basically says to me, go compete in USA. Don't worry about coming back because you won't be welcome. 
And I think that's oh. terrible. It's terrible. I mean, that's it's like a tradition, wow. apparently, in some of these states that they you do not compete in USA if you want to compete in America. And they don't allow that crossover. it's always been like that. I will tell you this. I just went to the Miss Missouri America pageant last June. Uh, it was their 50th anniversary of hosting it in Mexico, Missouri. So they brought all their formers back. They were asking us to all wear our crowns on stage. And I was uncomfortable with that. As a 41-year-old woman with kids and a family, like, I don't need to be sporting a crown anymore. <laughs> like, I, it's just weird. And I also feel like it reminds me of the kitty pageants where everyone's running around wearing a crown. Like, let the girl who is for the current title holder wear the crown and the one who's going to get crowned wear a crown. And once that crown gets passed off, the husband takes it off and she does not put it back on. I just think it's weird. So I voiced my opinion on that. And I was totally attacked for it. I was made to feel very embarrassed uh, during the rehearsals by the woman who was running it. Um, incredibly, she even said, you know, this is an honor for you all to be here. And this pageant is what made you and like attacked me when I was coming from a place of, you know, I'm honored to be here. I just don't want to wear the crown on stage. I think that's really embarrassing. And so I was given the option to hold it, which I did. Um, and when we came out, they were introducing us as this is Miss Missouri, like 19, whatever. And, and then saying a fun fact about her, that either current or past. And so the girl who was helping to run it, she said, hey, are you okay if we announce you that you were also Miss USA 2006 or four? And I was like, oh, my gosh, that'd be amazing. I didn't know if you could. And she was like, of course we can. So then I get home and I get an email or I'm sorry, no, a Facebook message from a daughter of someone who's connected to the pageant, not even freaking the production, who said, oh, we can't say that you were Miss USA by national terms. Like we could be very like in trouble if we said that you were Miss USA. What other line would you like us to say? And I said, okay, well, this is really ridiculous. Like, first of all, why are you contacting me? Like, how about somebody in production have the balls to pick up the phone to talk to me themselves? But regardless, besides that, I said, then don't introduce me as anything. Because this is what's ridiculous is that Miss America, Miss USA, the lines are now blurred where they are doing interviews together. They're going on interviews together. They're being in magazines together. It's no longer this big division. It is now a true sisterhood. And they were adamant that they could not introduce me as that. So they said something else ridiculous when I was on stage. And after that, I told the people that are around me, I will never come back to this pageant. I will never step foot on the stage again. The fact that they can't say that, if anything, it would show girls, wow, like whatever she learned in this pageant system, she applied to Miss USA and that allowed her to win it. But they are so against anything with USA and so hateful toward it that it, it, it just left such a sour taste in my mouth that I will never step foot on that stage again. Ever. I think I think they're scared of it. I don't I don't know what else to think. You know, I yeah. I, if you get back to like the roots of it, they're probably threatened because they were the OG of pageantry, and then in 1956, Miss USA broke off and did its own thing. So there might be a little bit of threatened feelings, and then the ratings were much higher in USA for a while than Miss America. But I know that when I competed at Miss America in 2002. And it was legit this way. There's no exaggeration. We sat down at orientation and the CEO at the time comes out and says, ladies, I want you to know that this is a show. We are about ratings. We're about getting, you know, great ratings, whatever. And he said, so I don't want you to be offended if we are not like showcasing you personally. Like this is about the show. 
There's a whole thing about ratings in the show and the ratings in show and not about you. And I was like, oh, okay. Like, so I'm just like a prop. Got it. And I didn't, you know, feel badly. I was like, okay, that's what, that's what they do. Literally, I get to Miss USA two days later. Phil Gurren, the producer, steps in the room and says, ladies, I know we have a show to do, but I want this to be about you. I want you to have a good experience. I want you to, I want to showcase each of you and what you're great at. And it was the complete flip. And, I, and that afternoon when we had lunch, I went up to Paula Shugard and I said, I got to tell you, like I compete at USA. We had a similar speech and it was the exact opposite. And it blew my mind. And yet here is a show. So Miss America is focusing on the ratings. Miss USA was focusing on the girl who had the better ratings that year, USA. So it was just interesting of going back to like the sand of like holding it too tightly in your hands, which Miss America was doing and they were losing it. They were losing the game. Miss USA that was focusing on the girl was winning. So I don't know, but yeah, Miss America, they have a very divisive line with Miss USA and they try to hold themselves so on a higher level. And it's, and they used to for a long time be like, well, we, our girls are smarter. The first year I competed at Miss America actually um, in the state pageant a mother came up to my mom and goes, I just want you to know that this pageant has very little to do with looks and it's mostly interview as though that's all I had going for me. And a little slap to her face. I ended up winning the overall interview that year and was like, Oh, boom. Oh yeah. Gotcha. But they just, they tend to like hold themselves to the standard of we are the smart girls. And if you look at our top five interviews now, Miss USA's top five questions are a landslide harder than Miss America's questions. So you don't got that going for you. What else you got, Miss America? Yeah, no kidding. No kidding. Well, look, look, I want to say this to everybody listening. If you are one of those girls and you are scared about making the crossover, uh, my challenge to you is do it and document it. You know, if they're really going to hold you to that, I mean, we'll call them out. I have no problem calling them out. And if you're a Miss America director listening and you don't like it, feel free to message me. Well, I'll be happy to talk about it. But that's it. Look, it's bullshit. It's what it is. You can't be doing that. Mm -hmm. I mean, we're this is 2019. The, the lines are blurred, as Shandy mentioned. You can't prevent people from doing something because it doesn't fit with your tradition or you don't, you know, it's like the American League versus the National League. I mean, come on, people. Are you kidding me? You're mm-hmm. going to prevent somebody from going after their dreams because they're not part of your system? You're ridiculous. Exactly. And the girl is going after the end goal, which is getting exposure and getting out there. That's her end goal. So what, whatever means it takes to get there, let her do it. We needed to get all that out. That was really good. <laughs> I know. I feel like I purged. I feel better. <laughs> I feel lighter. <laughs> a little bit, but you know what? That was good. All the podcasts that I've done, uh, yours included, whenever we talk about the stuff that nobody wants to talk about, those are the most listened to podcasts. And then I get the private messages of, thank you so much for saying it, what nobody else would say. I mean, girls are praising Betty Maxwell like crazy this past week for saying all mm-hmm. the stuff that she said about the Miss America organization as a former Miss America. And you know, girls from the USA system are even reposting the stuff and saying, hey, everybody, this is pageantry in general right now. And I think mm-hmm. this isn't about USA versus America. This is we're, this is pageantry, people. And we're just trying to help it out because we want it to be the Shandy days again. I mean, by the way, we do call it the Shandy years because those were like the big years of USA. So uh, Ebony and I have a nickname <laughs> for it. We just call it the Shandy years. Hilarious. Well, yeah. you know, it, it, I think everyone also has a bit of anxiety over what does the future hold for pageantry and do I want to invest in it because it's not a cheap road to go down because is it going to help me in the future? And so rather than seeing the elephant in the room and not talking about it, we were able to call it out for what it is, you know, and express those fears that everyone else is probably feeling. Well, I certainly hope for anybody listening, this helps. Um, 
I know you deal with it all the time when you guys do your coaching, and I certainly deal with it behind the scenes, just even backstage sometimes. You know, girls will just tell me things that I'm like, oh, you know, we'll do the best we can to help you. I, you know, I obviously can't control everything, but um, I always feel like my job, I don't know what you feel like your job is. I feel like my job is if you win, then it's worth it. You know, that you really feel like I got to the place I wanted to get to that you feel like, okay, it was worth everything that I put into it. The finances, the effort, the time. You just want to know that it's worth it. I go one step further, I would say. And I say, should you win, you got to take the bulls by the horn because no one else is going to do it for you now. So what is your ultimate goal? Should you win? And now you're going to have the networking opportunities. You're going to have this group around you. You have to utilize them. Don't waste time. Don't waste a day. What is your plan? How are you going to put it into effect? How are you going to milk this thing for everything it's worth? So rather than just, I won, now I'm done. It's I won, now I have an opportunity, but it's up to me to do it. It's like I have the rocket ship, but I've got to fuel it. So as you look ahead here, so we got uh, Miss Universe, you know, obviously we got the state pageants in the fall, but then uh, Miss America's in December. They're trying to compete with Universe. Um, I, you got those two pageants coming up. What are you looking forward to right now in pageantry that, you know, as you, you know, this is your day job. I mean, this is what you do. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm looking forward to having a good laugh at Miss America. <laughs> <laughs> you going to drink some wine during that telecast? Yes, I am. And I really hope they have the girls do awkward dances while they introduce themselves again, because it's usually <laughs> like this like sidestep and snap. And then all of a sudden, my turn, stop snapping. Shandy Fennessy, Missouri, USA, <laughs> or uh, Miss America. So <laughs> I'm looking forward to that. But I'm looking forward to seeing, um, you know, I feel like they continue to try to find, like, it's like a little key. They keep slightly turning it, turning it, trying to figure out where they fit. And I'm excited to see that. I think the production level of Miss USA and Miss Universe has been brought up really high. Oh, yeah. Um, you know, it's it's beautiful to watch now. Like this long runway stage. I'm like, oh, my God, I'd give anything to walk on that. It's a beautiful production. Um, so I, I think, you know, keep on with that. But I want to see, ideally, like in a perfect world with a magic wand, I want to now see the girl who wins, like, get out there. I want to see her, like, when I turn on... Uh, whatever those gossip shows are that I have no time to watch because I have kids. The, the, the what is it with Steve Harvey? Oh, yes, thank you. <laughs> I was like the fourteen mile. Like what is it called? Because um, it's the zone that they're in. But um, yes, the TMZ. I want to see her on there, like leaving a restaurant, and oh my gosh, like in talking to her for a minute. Like I want to, I want to see her in the media. I want to see her as a celebrity again. I think the pageant world needs a good reality show these days. I think it would help just draw attention to it, if nothing else. Well, the only problem is I feel like reality right now is so scripted and they are intentionally adding drama that's unnecessary. And I think that it could tarnish a bit. The added fake drama could tarnish the image of it. That's true. That is maybe. true. Maybe. Maybe I not. guess it just depends on what network you're on. I mean, if you're on like a Bravo, yeah, it yeah. would probably be pretty ridiculous. Yeah. But if you could just go on like like Netflix, like they have their own great shows now. Like if they could do a show on that and just let it all play out and see day to day life. I mean, I had some crazy times. Like if they would have filled my year, like I, for example, just a real quick crazy story. There was some man that somehow I met in New York because it was raining or snowing and I was waiting for a cab and he caught one and was like, here, I'll give it to you. And I was like, oh my God, that's amazing. And somehow he found out that I came, the building I came out of and therefore I must be Miss USA because that's where they're. So he started pursuing me can I date you? Can I date you? And I didn't want to be rude to him. He totally wasn't my type. And I was like, Oh my gosh, I'm so busy. No, <laughs> I kept putting that off. Then one day they put me on auction to be for a date for, to raise money for oh, breast no. cancer. 
And who finds out about it and bids and wins is this guy. And now I have to go, I have to go out to dinner with him because it's for a good cause. So I had my chaperone with me. The guy was super creepy. He smelled of like glue or something bizarre. And at the end of the date, he was like, so can we do this again? Like, when can we do it again? And I was like, oh, yeah, no, like, we're not going to do it again. This was for a good cause. This was to help breast cancer, like, research. I'm not going to go on a date with you again. But, like, little things like that where, like, you can't script that, right? That's just something crazy. So if they just followed the title holders and saw their day-to-day life, the show would happen on its own. Like, you don't need to. And maybe, yeah, that would bring some more attention to the pageantry and perhaps more more glamour, more of the celebrity life that would in turn bring more money and therefore better all around. Yeah, I mean, I think if MUO could have some sort of control over the production, obviously not complete control and storyline, but just, you know, what they won't allow, which is the fake stuff. I think it could be a mm-hmm. really good program. I do. Yeah. From your ears or your lips to God's ears. <laughs> I'll, I'll be praying for that one. Well, hey, thank you for doing all this. My gosh, this was, uh, I knew it would be a good conversation. I just, I had no idea where we would go with it, but I I think we certainly got anything that I still wanted to get out on the table out and, you know, certainly with somebody with some credibility. So I appreciate you. You know that. For sure. And Tim, with you, someone could be like, can you guys talk about the color blue and we could make a show out of it? (laughs) (laughs) We probably could. We certainly could. We like talking. I know you got kids to to tend to and a family. So thank you so much for the time. And uh, we'll definitely catch up here soon. Of course. Thank you so much for having me on. Thanks for listening to today's episode, everybody, and to Shandy Finnessy for her time. Now, if you want to follow Shandy, she's on Instagram at Shandy Finnessy, or you can hire her as a coach through her business website, pageantology.com. Hope you enjoyed the podcast. If you wouldn't mind, please subscribe. You can do so on Spotify, iTunes, the podcast app, Google Play, and YouTube, or you can just go to lifeafterthecrown.com. And for weekly podcast updates, follow me on Instagram at Tim Tialdo. Until next time, remember the words of Romans 8, verses 7 and 8. Focusing on yourself is the opposite of focusing on God. Anyone completely absorbed in themselves ignores God and ends up thinking more about themselves than God. That person ignores who God is and what he is doing, and God isn't pleased with being ignored. Talk to you next week, everybody.